Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is David Massey. Uh, he's an investment coach and the uh, author of a new book called The Investment Formula and the president of a company called Sellatrade. Welcome to the show, David. Glad to be here, Jordan. Let's just start with your background a little bit and how you came to create this company and write this book. Sure, great question. So uh, it really came down to a need that I saw in the marketplace for uh, educating the investment, uh, the, or I guess I'd say individual investors who are really looking for the right answers. And so in my own experience of investing in all kinds of markets, futures, options, stock market, etc., you know, I started to recognize that there's a lot of people who are really struggling with their investing. And so that really was about 10 years ago. We decided to buckle down and create a formalized educational process that would allow anybody, whether they've been in the market for a long time or they're just a new investor trying to, you know, they're wet behind the ear, they're trying to make something uh, of their investment uh, portfolio, make some success out of it. We developed a very systematic, strategic plan that can help get somebody accelerated on the right path, because certainly we'll talk about it. There's a lot of pitfalls we see people falling into, and our goal is to stop that cold and get people moving on powerfully with their investing. So who is this book that you've written called uh, The Investment Formula Designed For? Well, that's a great question. I think the, the, the short answer is it's really for someone who has not been getting the success they're looking for in the markets. You know, somebody who has been through a 2008 market crisis, not really happy with what went on, didn't have a game plan to really help insulate their, their challenges, and uh, they see themselves worried about where the market's going now. Is it topping? Is it going to bottom? How to react to that? You know, they, they feel helpless. And so the book is really targeting that type of person first and foremost. Get them on the right path. We teach really direction. You know, you can have all the money, but if you don't know how to manage it, you're really going to be in a very precarious situation. So it really targets that individual. But again, the, the principles that we talk about in this formula are applicable to anybody. So it's, if you're a new investor, great. You can pick up this book, get started, and avoid making those costly mistakes that a lot of people experience. How can people get a copy of this book? Well, there's a, there's a website we've set up. Uh, the website is theinvestmentformula.com. They can go there, get a free copy of the book. They just have to cover a very small shipping cost. Um, but, uh, yeah, we ship the book out to you. It's a physical book. We've spent a lot of time. I mean, this is decades of research that has gone into honing a, uh, a very easy-to-understand formula because there's lots of information out there. I think the trouble is how do you get it into a very simple, digestible format that anybody can understand? You don't need a degree to really get moving. That's what this book is really going to help you do. What are some of the psychological uh, scars, I guess might be the right word, that still remain from 2008? I mean, people were so traumatized, but it's been over five years now. What do you see when you're talking to investors? Kind of what's the leftover effect of that uh, terrible time? Great question. I think for a lot of investors, it's just been staying in cash. They're so afraid to put any money into the markets, even after the, you know, for the last four years or so, we've seen a great run in the markets. 
But people have not wanted to participate in that because they feel as if, if I invest now, am I going to be left with another 2008 all over again? And so certainly I think people are very afraid to pull the trigger to get invested in the market, or if they are, they're really not serving themselves very well by investing in these very, very low-return investment vehicles that are not going to help them get to their objectives. So that's a, that's a struggle for people, but that's where we help to guide them through a very simple approach that's going to take them out of that scenario altogether and insulate them so they don't experience that into the future. You keep saying simple. How simple can it be? Uh, to time the market, to know when to be in and when to be out. That's something that lots of professionals are trying to figure out all the time. Sure, that, that's a great question. I think for a lot of people, there's, there's a lot of misinformation that goes out there. Certainly, when you hear the word timing, we're not suggesting in any way that you can know in advance when a market condition is going to happen. In other words, you can't know the exact date and the price of when the market's going to fall. The, but there are very proven tools out there that will help you to go with the flow. I think there's a term that's used very often, but it gets overlooked by a lot of people. The trend is your friend. We have recognized through decades of research. We looked at research that goes back to the 16, 1700s for markets that existed in that time frame. And what you will find is that trends exist throughout the course of history. And so you don't have to be the first person to know, to figure out, if, can you outthink the market? Just go with the flow. And that has, has systematically worked out extremely well for those that have embraced that philosophical uh, strategy. So it's very easy. You don't have to go through tons of reports, earnings, and all that type of stuff. You can if you want. There's lots of ways of investing, but we have found you can make it very simple. You don't have to overthink it. How do you know when the flow changes? You say go with the flow if things are going up. For example, going into 2008, you know, the market was doing very well for 2005, 2006, 2007, and then the flow changed. How do you know when that's happening, when it's not just a momentary drop and when you should get out and it's a major drop? So that's a great question. So obviously there are many ways of measuring the, the actual approach. And certainly people can think, well, this is just technical analysis. And that is part of it. But I think you can get very enamored with technical analysis and become, you know, you get uh, paralysis by analysis. And we're not talking about that. It's simply about looking at the major trends in anything. And so these trends will take their time to develop, whether it's a bull market or a bear market. If anybody were to look at a chart, for example, of the S&P 500, uh, and you looked at it for basically the calendar year of 2008, the market crash, the, the, the bulk of it happened late in 2008. So in other words, there was still enough time for you to recognize that there was a shift going on using simple trend-following tools. Um, there's nothing that's, there, there's no clandestineness to it. It's not some gilded knowledge that nobody can access. It's just looking at it from a longer-term perspective. You see that there's a shift that takes place and then you can take an according action. But again, it doesn't mean you're going to get out at the top of the market. You start getting out when you see things starting to show signs of weakness. It's as simple as that. You talk in your book about what you call effortless investing, which sounds very attractive to people, and you, you contrast uh, two people running a marathon, one a, a seasoned distant runner and a guy who's what you call a couch potato. <laughs> right. um, so how those two people approach a marathon and the results are going to, get to be different. How do you relate that to people who are investing, either experienced people or people who are just starting out? 
Right, great question. So the, that analogy, I think, really is, it, it dials in it and, and, and gets down to the core of what we see when you look at a successful investor versus a very unsuccessful investor. There are clear distinctions between them. And in fact, if somebody wants to research this, there's a report put out by the Library of Congress called Behavioral Patterns and Pitfalls of U.S. Investors. It's not a very long report, but the crux of it is there are certain mistakes that people will make consistently that this gets them spinning their tires, getting them frustrated from things like 2008, trying to then make up for their losses by thinking, I need more information. And it's, just, it's a vicious cycle of just becoming absorbed and overwhelmed with this information. Contrasting that with a successful investor, they take a very different approach. First of all, it's a very relaxed-looking type of approach. They're not getting overwhelmed with information. They're choosing to be selective and rejecting most of the information because they know when it's relevant and when it's irrelevant. Beyond that, I think the simplest thing is having a game plan. Most people approach investing by the seat of the pants. They get excited about a story that's released about a certain company. They think about that it could do well based on that story, the storyline behind it, and so they make an investment. They're not considering the risks behind that because the story sounds so juicy. It sounds like it's a sure thing. A successful investor doesn't look at that. They will typically look at the pros and cons, and they look at it objectively. They do not allow their emotions to overwhelm and overrule their intelligence. And so when you look at how they act and react, a successful investor knows in advance what to do in every scenario. An unsuccessful investor is floundering when things do not work out the way they anticipate. It doesn't mean you don't feel pain in any way when you are successful. You have losses as well but they're very contained. And I think that's a key distinction that people need to think about if they are unsuccessful right now. Now, you say that this formula, this kind of consistent, as you call it, effortless investing, is, is being achieved by high wealth, uh, high net worth kinds of people. And you have some examples of that. So explain how high net worth affluent people do this uh, that typically has not been available to the average investor. Right, exactly. So, great question. So, again, it gets back to this whole trend-following principle that I, we mentioned earlier. We talked about a little earlier. That is one of the driving investment strategies that powers a lot of these large uh, institutional investment firms, these large hedge funds that are controlling, in some cases, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. And, obviously, to participate in those investment programs, you naturally have to be a high-net-worth investor to even get the results that, that, the, that the firm can deliver to you. Um, and so what we've recognized is there's a huge gap in the market. The, the strategies that they're utilizing at the top end of the marketplace is not something which you have to only be a high net worth investor to experience the results. In other words, just because you know, they're to invest with them, you need a lot of money, doesn't mean you can't apply their strategies to your own personal portfolio. And so that's one of the other reasons why we've created this book, because we see that you can distill down the strategy into a core set of five concepts, five steps, five principles, and utilize that in your investing. And so they're very simple. I mean, they're not complicated. It just works like gangbusters if you're willing to give it a shot. That's really what it comes down to. And so if it works at the highest level, our, our, our argument is if you're seeing the most successful investors, they're, they're investing with these firms and they're seeing great returns, very consistent returns over a very long time frame, not just in a single year. It 
you know, the, the, the question I have is, shouldn't you be evaluating this if you're not getting the results you're happy with? How do these big investment firms dealing with the affluent deal with uh, major market-shaking events like financial crises? Great. That's a great question. And if you think about it, if you're not privy to the, if you're not somebody who's investing in that space, what you will quickly realize is that these investors are not going to stick around when the party ends. In other words, if they start to see big losses happen in, the, in their investment portfolio through the, the firm they're invested in, they're going to pull the plug very quickly. So it's, in, you know, it's obviously in the best interest of everybody involved in that relationship that the investment firm deliver powerful results. And one of the ways of doing that is by applying these principles we talk about in trend following. So when you have, to answer your question, a 2008 market crisis occur, they are already positioned to know what to do if and when that event happens. So there's no surprise as far as what they're supposed to do. It may be a surprise as far as why it's happening, but that's irrelevant. You don't care about why something's happening. It's happening. And you need to justify that with uh, an appropriate action. And that's what they're doing. They are not just sitting idly by hoping things turn around. They're taking decisive action, and they're minimizing any problems. They nip it in the butt. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is David Massey. Uh, he is an author, uh, investment coach, founder of Sellatrade, and uh, the uh, website to find out more about his book called The Investment Formula is theinvestmentformula.com. We'll be back after this. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Listen for exclusive clips from Oprah's upcoming Super Soul Sunday series on Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Then be sure to watch Oprah's Super Soul Sunday on OWN Network TV at 11 a.m., 10 Central, every Sunday. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is David Massey. He's an author, investment coach, founder of Sellatrade, and he's written a book called The Investment Formula, and you can find out more about it at theinvestmentformula.com. Welcome back to the show, David. Glad to be here, Jordan. 
So we're talking about, uh, in effect, when you should be and should not be in the stock market. What are the tools that people use to take your advice uh, to go in or out of the stock market? Yeah, great question. So obviously, when you're talking about the stock market, there's a lot of opportunities to invest in thousands and thousands of investment vehicles, stocks, uh, index funds, etc. And so what we have also found is that while you can go into the individual stocks and your returns can be very high, the volatility is also very high as well. And so to keep a lid on volatility and, and allow you to have more consistent, smooth performance, the best investment vehicle we have found is really the index funds. They will provide you with uh, liquidity that you need to get in and out when you need to. They will allow you to invest in a wide range of investment opportunities uh, simultaneously, so you get diversification. And more importantly, we just found that they work the best when you're looking at trend following in the stock market. And are these exchange-traded funds or mutual funds? What kind of index funds do you use? Great question. So obviously, you can actually uh, you can invest in the yeah, mutual funds, which are index funds as well, but for simplicity and to be able to invest at a moment's notice and get the liquidity you want, we focus on the ETFs instead. So that's when you're in the stock market. What do you use when you're out of the stock market, when you think the stock market's going down? Right. So when you're, when you're in the market, you're obviously in these funds. When you're out of the market, we simply uh, go to cash. Keep it as simple as that. Like a money market fund of some kind, I mean. Yeah, yeah I mean, you can do that as well, but the... I think the simplest is, you know, for a lot, of, a lot of these investors, they're used to being in cash. Most of the people that are afraid of what happened in 2008, or not most, but many of them, are in cash right now. So it's something they're used to to have on hand, just so they have dry powder, they're ready to go when they need to. If they want, they can do a money market fund as well. It's obviously up to them. But the point is, your, your bulk of your returns that we have found are going to come from the index funds, and then you want to be out of that when the markets are starting to correct. So why not be in bonds when things are, you want to be out of stocks? Why not earn some interest in your money in bonds? Yeah, I mean, you can do that as well. It just really comes down to a personal preference for, for certain individuals. Some of them want to have the liquidity, the liquidity of just having it in straight cash. Um, you can go in the bonds as well, too. I mean, that certainly is an option. Um, just keep it simple, though. Cash is typically the, the easiest way to do it. So how does your uh, strategy perform over the long term compared to a buy-and-hold strategy? Because some people would say, nobody can time the market, just hold on to it for 50 years and come back and it'll be right. worth a lot. So this is a, very, this is a very interesting question for one reason. Buy-and-hold, right, there's a couple things about it. First of all, with buy-and-hold, ultimately you will get the maximum, if you're looking at just net-net result, if I started buying in, let's say, 1990, and I look at, let's say, 30 years from now, and I just did buy and hold, net-net, you stand to make the maximum amount of net profit. And the reason being is you're, you're going to be on board for every part of an uptrend. There's one problem with that strategy. The problem is when it comes down to the, the, the uh, market corrections we experience, that erodes the profitability you've seen grow in your account over time. And you say, well, that may not be a problem. I'm, you know, I'm willing to hold for the long term. But think about somebody, Jordan, who was looking to retire right in and around 2008 time frame. Their, their retirement scenario got completely flipped upside down. So if you were a buy-hold investor during that time frame, 
you got completely blindsided if you did not have the strategy in place. And buy and hold, by definition, does not account for those scenarios. It simply says, look, markets are going to correct. You're just simply there for the long term. And, you know, as long as the, the uh, strategy remains intact, you'll just simply ride it out and the markets will rebound. Well, that's asking you know, somebody to do that who experienced 2008 is very different scenario. So the, to answer the question how the performance differs, knowing that now, with this particular strategy, you're going to have more consistent results over time. You're going to sacrifice a little bit in the net-net profit department if you look at over a long time frame. But what you gain is a lot more stability. If you're going to retire in 2008 and you use trend following, your retirement picture looks very different. You're not, you're not crying river over what happened versus somebody who went through that scenario. So that's one of the key differences. You get much more consistency in your results, and you get back control. That's really what the two things that come out of it. Can you give us even a financial result, say, of the last 10 years, since you've been doing this for 10 years, had you done a buy-and-hold strategy on the S&P 500 and took an enormous hit in 2008 and then it came back versus your technique where you would have gotten out before it went down and then gotten back in as it started to go back up? What is, what, how is much higher returns would you have gotten compared to the buy-and-hold investor, just roughly? Great question. Right, exactly. So if we, if we look at that for a second, in that scenario, in that time frame, certainly with the buy-and-hold, you really didn't do very well. What, they, what people have called the 2000 to 2010, for example, has really been known as what they call the lost decade. Because in that time frame, if you were buying hold, and many, many investors were, you really saw a net result of roughly zero uh, profit. Now, in fact, if you were in a mutual fund, your net result was actually negative because you still have the management fees being deducted from your account every single year. So you actually were in a negative scenario. If you contrast that with what we're talking about, if you apply to the S&P, we saw a nice bull run uh, all the way up to 2000. So you would have captured a part of that. If you looked at just 2000, you started from that point forward. There was a great bull run from 2003 to 2008, and now we're seeing a rebound again. You're looking at capturing significant profits, right? So over 100% return in that time frame when you're looking at just the strategy on just the S&P. And there are ultimately multiple market indexes that you can invest in to help further diversify what you're doing. I don't want to get overcomplicated. The point is you would have done substantially better. And it gets to my point. When markets are volatile, you will see much, much better returns with a, uh, a strategy that incorporates a timing principle, not predicting, but simply going with the flow, the major flow. You'll see much better results there than if you're just trying to ride it out. Because, again, we've seen our markets come back. Not every market does. If you look at Japan... Their Nikkei market index is like our S&P 500. Their market index has not recovered for over 30 years. And it's just so, been a travesty there. So, that so your, your system comparison. would have told people to stay out in, in Japan. Exactly. It's very simple. Now, it doesn't mean you stay out for 30 years. There are always going to be opportunities that will come up that are significant enough trends. You can, make some, you can bank some money off of that. But the point is that you you are able to avoid the bulk of the disaster because, look, you don't take my word for it. You look at the chart, you see the writings on the wall. These trends are uninterrupted for a period of time. You can simply react to that. It's not about predicting in advance. It's just reacting to the results that you see over some period of time, and then you simply make the according decision. So what are the inputs that you're using 
to see if the trend that you're in now is going to continue or is turning to, starting to turn down and you're going to send out a sell signal in effect? Well, I mean, there's multiple ways of looking at that. I think we, what we don't want to do is overcomplicate the situation. You know, there are many, many indicators that you can utilize. I think the simplest thing you're looking at, just look, if you just look at a chart, you can start to see trends develop, for, especially if you're looking at a market index. It can be different on an individual stock, and hence one of the reasons why we mentioned focusing on indexes is much more stable, more predictable. Uh, that said, you know, you can use moving averages, you can use breakouts, you can use all kinds of ways of identifying the, the trend and what direction it's moving in right now. That is, you know, that's, that's the simplest way of looking at it. But the key is just recognizing there's this trend. And when the trend starts to reverse course, again, a longer-term trend, then you start to see that when it starts to change, it's changing because there's a significant development taking place. It doesn't mean that necessarily, though, that that trend is going to persist. In other words, that changeover is going to exist for decades. It might, but that's not what we're trying to do here. It's simply reacting to what the market is telling us. I'll give you one little simple analogy for people to really think about. If, you know, people try to say the reason why a market's going down today, and some people may have got it right. I look at it this way. There are millions of investors all investing, all using their own opinions in the marketplace. Imagine if you could ask every single person that invests in a market how they're positioning themselves, why they're investing in something a certain way. What are they doing? What's the action they're taking? That's impossible, though, right? You can't do that. You can't go around and ask every single person. So the next best thing is simply look at the price. The price is the reflection and the distillation of all the opinions of everybody that's investing in the market, big and small. And so we use that information accordingly then to know what is people, what's the consensus of things. And then that's what you do to make your decision. That's the simplest way of doing it, to be honest. How do you differentiate between a short-term correction and we really have not had a correction of even 10% in quite a few years here at this point. So right. if there is, a say, a 10% correction, how do you differentiate between that where you shouldn't be shaken out of your position and a long-term bear market downtrend when you should get out? Right. That's a great question. So really what it comes down to is what is it that is driving the actual price downwards? So in other words, there are going to be scenarios when you're looking at a long-term time frame. It's not about, again, getting back to my point, not about predicting every single little blip on the radar. We're looking for major shifts in a market, market event. So in other words, when you have a long-term trend develop that goes up, it doesn't mean it moves up in a straight line. You're still going to have a buffer zone, we'll call it. Okay? That buffer zone is necessary so that we give enough breathing room to the, to the market that we're investing in or the, or the index fund, for example, so that it has enough breathing room to grow and we're not prematurely cutting ourselves short to make profit. One of the things I'll share with you from that study from the Library of Congress is that they found for investors that really struggle, one of the problems they really face is that they cut their winning positions far too early. And they do the opposite on a losing position. They hold on to a losing position way too long because they're afraid to take the loss and they just don't want to realize it. So they hang on to it longer and longer. So it's, you know, you're not going to be able to necessarily predict these drops. What you're trying to do, though, is position yourself with a long trend. And if you do that right, what, you're, what you set yourself up to do then is you get on early, you make your large profit, 
when the trend starts to reverse course, you're going to give a little bit of profit back. That's a reality. You cannot, you cannot escape that. Because then that gets down to prediction, and prediction is impossible. So the point is, you're there for the bulk of the move. You're not going to get there for everything. It's kind of like you don't arrive to the party early, and you don't leave the party late. You're there kind of for that, for that fun time when everybody's socializing and mingling. You want to be there. That's what we're kind of talking about metaphorically. So it's the classic kind of cut your losses and let your profits run is what you're saying. 100%. You know, you want to be able to live to trade another day is really a mantra for, uh, uh, for investors that have really weathered storms and they have been successful. You want to make sure that you do not put yourself out of business. I look at it this way. If you were to take that strategy that people use where they don't cut their losses and apply that to running a business, you'd be broke by, by the end of the first month if you started having problems. So to not apply that to your investing, to think otherwise, you're just simply fooling yourself. You want to make sure you have solid, reliable rules. What we talk about in the book, you know, cut your losses. It's such a simple, novel thing. I understand it's different to get in there and do it. The, it becomes an emotional reaction more than anything um, for people to, to take that action. But it's so liberating if you take that action, especially if you suffered the losses on your own. Because you know the other side if you don't cut the loss. Indeed. Okay, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is David Massey. He's an author, an investment coach, founder of the company Sellatrade. Uh, you can find out more about his book and his approach at theinvestmentformula.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Listen for exclusive clips from Oprah's upcoming Super Soul Sunday series on Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Then be sure to watch Oprah's Super Soul Sunday on OWN Network TV at 11 a.m., 10 Central, every Sunday. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. 
My guest this hour is David Massey. He's an author and investment coach, the founder of The Investment Formula, and there's a book to that name, The Investment Formula, and you can find out more about it at theinvestmentformula.com. Welcome back to the show, David. Glad to be back, Jordan. So you have what you call the five-step action plan to take uh, what you're talking about, uh, this whole approach, into action. So what is the first step in the five-step action plan? Right. So the reality is that we've broken down the, the approach for anybody to really get started into these five action plan steps. So the first one is addressing an issue we see most people really struggle with. And that is, what do I do when I find an investment that starts to work in my favor? They struggle with that because we've seen what happens if something doesn't work, and they want to make they want, but they want to make the money in the markets. They want to make some nice profits. So the simple answer is: step one is to ride your winners. Now it sounds very, very simple, sometimes oversimplified, but the truth of the matter is, it's a it's a, a behavior and an action step that most people don't take. Again, referencing the, this, this study, and there have been countless studies to back this up as well, where they analyzed the behaviors of individual investors' trading accounts. And the behavior they find more often than not is that people, when they find a winning investment, they cash it in too early because they're afraid that it could turn into a loser given their prior track record of seeing losses. So I think the first step is so important, you've got to turn that around, turn it into a winner. Make sure you ride your winners using the trend-following principle. So you make sure you're on board for the bulk of that move. That's really what that comes down to. So as far as the, uh, the next step, you obviously have cutting your losers. Um, and when you talk about cutting your losers, what that really references is making sure that you're protecting your downside when things don't work out in your favor, right? I mean, you can, you can run into a scenario where you see things working out, and if it, you know, that, that's fine. There's nothing to do there. But when things don't work out, that's when you really start to struggle with, uh, what do I do? How do I prepare myself for that contingency? And so it's important that you have something in place to make sure you don't run into uh, a large loss like we've seen in 2008. Yeah. So you say that you, uh, you have to know in advance when you're going to sell, but it's, it's hard for people to figure that out themselves. This is something that you offer people because you're doing it for them. Is that right? Well, what we, what we do is we give them a strategy of how you can prepare yourself, how you can define that in advance. So in other words, you want to make sure that you're protecting. Think about it this way. We have no control over where the market is moving. We, can, we can't call up the stock exchange and say, hey, make the stock go higher, as much as it would be nice to do that. So what we have to do instead is position ourselves to plan for the contingencies. Because if you do your planning in advance, you know, it's like they say, if you follow your plan, the plan will never fail you, right? If you stick to a plan. And so it's important you have a well-defined plan, and that's one of the things that separates somebody who's successful from unsuccessful, is that if a scenario happens when you have the market or the investment not work in your favor, what do you do in advance? And so there's a simple test I give to people. And I, ask, I say, look, if, you know, forbid the market's decided to correct, let's say in the next, next week or so, given how you're investing right now, your decision-making process, everything you do, what would your portfolio do? And for a lot of people, 
they would simply not have a good answer. So it, that, that begs the question, then, what are, you, what are you going to do then to change that? And so it's important to have these steps mapped out. Cutting your losses is so huge. In fact, I would argue it's even more important than riding your winners because losses are more emotionally destabilizing, right? And so they cause more problems if you don't nip them in the butt. You can't control the winners as far as how high it's going to go. You can control how much of a loss you're willing to take, though. And I think those combined are so essential to get right. So that is your second step, is to cut your losses when you have losses. So do you set a... Uh, stop, what do you think about stop loss orders like 10% or there are automatic ways to protect yourself on the downside? How can you uh, stop your losses from getting too big? Well, there really are m- many ways of doing it. I think what it comes down to is having something which can have a timing component to it so that you know when the time is right to leave and you can use it in conjunction with some type of a stop loss, whether it's a uh, time-based stop loss, whether it's a percentage, whether it's a trailing. There's many ways of doing it. What it comes down to is just, I think what the biggest hurdle people face is being able to jump through that hoop of doing that step, of actually putting in some type of, uh, you know, stop loss or taking that action when it's necessary to cut the loss early on is the, probably the most important thing. The nuances as far as the specific number and whatnot, I think that's, that, that is important, but it's secondary it's something you do once you've agreed to do that in the first place, that you're willing to take that loss. So it's so critical you even accept to do that before anything can take place. So the first step is to ride your winners. The second step is to cut your losses. What's the third step? Okay. So once you have, this, once you have uh, in place a plan that's going to help you maximize your winning opportunities when they come your way, you have something that's going to help you avoid losses when they are large losses, that could occur in the marketplace, like 2008. The next important step is to look at your investing holistically. In other words, you want to make sure that you're balancing the risks in your portfolio. It gets back to my question. If, if you know, A lot of people will concentrate their risk into a couple investments. It's amazing the people I've talked to, into, you know, individual investors, some people who have piled in a one investment vehicle, one stock in particular, the stock gets halted for some reason, and now they're completely stuck. Their life savings are tied up there. That was not a good risk management uh, approach. In other words, you want to make sure you're balancing the risks from multiple levels at the individual investment, at the, and you go levels up. Are you, you know, looking at the risk of the market you're investing in? Are looking at all of those factors become very important once you've dialed in those first two steps. So, it's so critical, and this, one of the easiest ways of satisfying that, that necessity is looking at things like diversifying your efforts. It's such a simple, novel thing. It helps to reduce your overall risk in any one investment, and uh, it allows you to get that liquidity and, 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 and risk management down to a level that's, that's a lot more acceptable and palatable so that you're not overwhelmed with it. So investment vehicles like index funds and the like, ETFs, they really do a good job of helping people, helping investors get their risks down, but also satisfy that risk management that is so necessary. Okay, so the first one is to ride your winning trades. The second one is to cut your losses. The third step is to manage risk. What is the fourth step? 
Okay, so now we're starting to build out this plan. You know, it's something that you should be able to write on a single sheet of paper and hand it to anybody, and they should be able to understand it very easily. They don't have to have a computer science or math degree or any or finance degree to figure out how to make money using that plan. So that's important. It has to be all in layman's term language. The, once you've started to map that out, something which is very important is you've got to stick to your rules. You can spend time mapping these things out, but if you do not take the conscious effort to go and force and follow through with your actions, then you're not doing yourself any favor. It's kind of like somebody who wants to get in shape. They spend time creating a workout plan, but they don't go to the gym. Well, you're not doing yourself any favor by creating that plan for you in the first place. Same thing applies here. You've got to stick to your rules and be regimented about it. You cannot just decide in one scenario, well, you know, this loss is not that big, but my rules say I should take it. I'm going to override my rules this time because I think it could turn around. If you're getting into that trap, you're doomed to failure. You've got to be regimented and, and just more objective in your investing. So having rules is important, but equally following them is just as important. So the less steps you have to work about, work through and think about, the easier it will be for you to obviously stay with the course. So following your rules is number four. And what is the last step, step number five? Now, this one is a little bit controversial for people, especially if they're, they're used to tuning into uh, a lot of the financial news where they're giving information second by second, tick by tick. What we have found is that following the news, it just immersing yourself in as much news and information as possible pertaining to the stock market doesn't actually do any good. What we have found is this. There are actually multiple reasons why. Okay, so the first is the information that we all get access to, there's abundance of it now. I mean, with the advent of the Internet, we get so much information now that, you know, there's never a lack of it. You can get it anywhere. It's like an in, you can be, almost become like a news junkie. And the reality is that news is already what happened. By the time you read about it, it's typically priced into a stock. So the only benefit of reading news at that point is to make future projections of what you think something is going to do. And again, that just leads down to a path of overwhelm because you're not just going to look at one piece of news and be done with it. You're going to start going and investigating as much of it as possible. It's overwhelming, and it's not effortless investing. Okay? Instead, what we say is, look, price is the most real thing you can find. When you go to buy a stock, they don't quote you it in news. They quote you it in a price. It's simple math. You buy at a price, you sell at a price, you profit from the difference. That's how it's all numbers when it comes down to it. And so we say rather than ignoring that, that, that phenomenon, that fact, embrace that. Follow with what is true. Price, there's only one price. There's thousands of news stories, but there's only ever one price, the current price of something. And it simplifies everything, right? That's really where we have seen a huge burden that gets lifted off of people's shoulders when now they can start rejecting things and ignoring things which do not help them advance what they're trying to do. I always give people this analogy. If you were to go back 100 years and you were investing in the markets, the Internet didn't exist. You know, you were lucky if you got a radio. TV really wasn't existing. So the point was you had very limited access to information. Yet fortunes were being made all across the board by investors. How were they doing it? 
It wasn't like they had all this information coming at them. So my point is this. The access of information has not led to a, a dramatic increase in the results of investors. You still have the same problems creeping up and existing through. So I'm saying, look, don't worry about all that. Just focus on what is simple to understand and just, just leave the price. that all. Yeah, just focus yes. on the price. Very good. All right, we got to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is David Massey. Uh, he's an author, investment coach, founder of Sellatrade, and his book is called The Investment Formula, and you can find out more about it at theinvestmentformula.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What does conscious leadership mean to you? It unites organizations instead of dividing them. By exploring commonly-based business challenges, it guarantees an increase in your bottom line. Tune in to Minding Our Business, Creating a Spiritual Economy with your host, Nadine Rogers. Each week, we'll hear from business leaders and learn from their strategies. We'll talk about personal and organizational best practices that you can learn from, and we'll hear from you. Minding Our Business airs live Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is David Massey, author, investment coach, founder of Sellatrade. He's done a book called The Investment Formula, which you can find out more about at theinvestmentformula.com. Welcome back to the show, David. Glad to be here, Jordan. 
So you say there's a simple test that people can do, investors can take, to determine if their portfolio is at high risk of large investment losses. How do they take such a test? So, great. so the, the answer is very simple. And, it, and it, the, the question itself that people should be asking is equally very simple. What we have discovered is that for people that are unsure, first of all, if they're unsure if their portfolio is properly protected from a, a market crash, if it's at risk, if they're unsure about that, then there's a high likelihood that they aren't already protected. I think that's kind of a simple thing. But to get more into the question, the, the question I have people ask when I, when I talk to them in, in personal consultation is I'll say, look, you've invested in the market. If the markets were going to crash in the next week or so, what are you going to presently do? What would happen right now? What would you do and what would happen to your portfolio? And the answer that you are in, I would, I would encourage your audience to ask themselves that question honestly. If the market were to crash in the next week, what would you do, or in the next, let's say, 30 days, to give a little bit of time? If the market were to crash, what would happen to your portfolio? That answer will give you a lot of information as far as whether you're protected or not. Because if you can't answer that with an, with an action step that you're going to take, then that already tells me, that demonstrates that there is a, there is a flaw in your strategy that needs to be corrected. Now, there are big news events that do happen. You say it's always in the price, but let's just give a recent example. Let's say Russia invades Ukraine or something like that, and people say they're not going to happen, but then it does, and it's a shock to the market, and the markets fall very sharply. Nothing changed about the fundamentals of the company or the S&P 500, but there was a major news event that really affected people, and the markets fall because of that, which could, and say, you know, could lead to a war in Europe or something like that. It has all kinds of drastic consequences. How should people react when there is external news like that, not related to, not impacting the companies directly, but affecting the overall market? Right, exactly. So when we're talking about, first of all, I guess to, to be very clear for, for people, so there's no ambiguity. When, when I'm talking about these events and what actions do you take, obviously we focus in on the indexes, the market indexes, ETF indexes, etc. So to, to answer your question, if you're looking at a scenario like that, a geopolitical problem that can happen, certainly that is a risk. And you cannot know that risk playing out in advance. So what do you do about that? Well, the first thing is you do not want to concentrate, for example, your investments into a company that would be uh, positioned in the Ukraine. In other words, all of your investment is in one company that's all in Ukraine or all of your funds are... Uh, in the Ukraine, as far as stocks which exist there, certainly that's too much concentration of risk that will expose you to the downside that can happen. Now, you can't know that invasion happening, but the point is you can tell when something is not right as far as how you're diversifying your efforts. And so if you take a step back and you at least invest in multiple vehicles that are not related to each other, you help to minimize that impact to a certain extent. The second thing is, if you have a major event, like we look at uh, events that, you know, uh, geopolitical risk in the U.S., certainly that's a risk as well. And from other countries trying to invade or attack or whatever, I mean, is it going to happen? Probably not, but it could, and you have to be prepared for that. The simple answer is, you just want to make sure that you're not concentrating yourself in one vehicle too much. Look, at the end of the day, 
There's no way to escape everything entirely unless you just want to stay in cash forever. But unfortunately, cash is something which loses value over time. So you have to be able to invest it into assets and vehicles which can grow over time. You just want to be smart about it. And so utilizing those rules we talked about in the last segment will help you to at least minimize the impact because it's going to affect everybody when scenarios like that occur. It's just how much of it does it affect you versus your peers? Are they willing to take an action versus not taking an action? And that's what really separates the winners from the losers in the long term. Since you've been offering a service to help people get in and out of the market into stock indexes or cash over the last 10 years, what kind of difference has it made in their clients compared to what would have happened otherwise with what they were doing before? So the reality is what they were doing before would have always exposed them to, and in many scenarios, they lived through a major market shaking event, a major market crash. And so the, the paradigm shift by simply flipping the, flipping the rules and flipping the, the results of not taking big losses and settling for lo- small winners, but doing the opposite, settling for big winners and not accepting small or large losses has really transformed them. Now they go to sleep with more peace of mind knowing that they have a plan in place. You know, imagine if you had to fly a plane and nobody gave you the instruction manual. It would be terrifying, especially, right? So having something in place, having these contingencies so that you can get, you can take off safely and you can land at your destination safely is going to give you much more peace of mind and more confidence in what you're doing. I think it's really what it comes down to. When there is a change and you're telling people to sell stocks and go into cash, is it something that you implement for them or is it something you're telling them to do and they have to implement? So we take the approach to really empower people. Uh, I think at the end of the day, when somebody comes to us, there's somebody who is a self-starter. They are looking for ways to take, take, um, take charge of the situation, that they've, the cards that they've been dealt if they've struggled with their investing. They just want some direction. And so I mentioned at the top of the call, we really teach direction. And so part of that, to answer your question, is we want to make sure that we're giving somebody enough knowledge and tools and an ideal environment so they can prosper. So in other words, they can make these decisions themselves. They don't feel powerless and helpless like a lot of people have. I mean, when they have their money with a mutual fund manager, you know, they can pull their funds out over time, but the point is they're not there to make the decisions. They're not there to know whether they're doing a good job or a bad job based on risk management, all those things. And people want to take more ownership in the results they're getting. So, you know, there's a saying, nobody's going to look after your money the way you can. And so we really want to help empower those individuals so they can take those steps and not only do for themselves, but they can take that knowledge and pass it on to their future generations as well. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been David Massey. Uh, He's an author of the book called The Investment Formula. He's also an investment coach. He founded this company called Sellatrade, which does help people move money between uh, indexes like uh, stock index, uh, ETFs, and cash, and avoid market downturns and be there for the upturns. Uh, It's been a very educational hour, and I hope a lot of people take advantage of it, David. It's been a pleasure being here today, Jordan. And you can find out more about David at his website, theinvestmentformula.com. Thanks so much for being with us this hour. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. 
Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next. 